isn't that sweet? I just zoomed in on myself. Aren't you jealous? Never mind. You're having too much fun over there, Brad. Yeah, I get to play with this thing. <laughs> so welcome back, everyone, to the podcast. I am John. Tom is out doing Tom-like retired things. And today, Brad's back with us. Brad, how you doing over there, brother? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing really well. It's just good. Life is good. God is good. The, the, you know, yeah. I can Peachy. tell. <laughs> and if you can read body language, yeah, if you can read body language, uh, you, you see what Brad is saying. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> we have those moments. Season. I'm happy. How yeah. many charge conferences have you done, Brad? Uh, oh, my gosh. Thirty too many. Thirty too many. Thirty too uh, many. <laughs> Man, I'd have to go all the way back. 89 was my first charge conference. So wow, wow. And they've changed over the years, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been it's been weird. Um, it has evolved. It has evolved. Well, That's right. And if you've ever been on a, on a board of ordained ministry stuff and you start talking to them about, um, you know, the, the questions that you had to ask or answer to be ordained, um, I started in the 1984 discipline. Mm-hmm. Those questions, like, and the, to the 2016 discipline, they're not even close. It's like you got to write a, a dissertation and <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> Back in '84, it was like, "Are you breathing?" Yeah. Well, there you go. Okay. We're, Is your name Brad? We will take you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Answer that question. You're in good shape. Man. I remember my first charge conferences. I started in the Rio Grande conference and it was like a big deal. The district superintendent was coming. It was worship service and there was all these reports and people would get up. Oh yeah, man. We'd have a potluck afterwards, you know, and the DS would preach and you'd hear everybody come do their reports and it wanted to hear the report that they hadn't read yet. Right. And uh, we do all the voting and people would, you know, talk about how much money we don't have and do we really need to pay apportionments since we have the DS here? Can we ask that question? <laughs> You're going uh, like, oh. But now it's, it's, it's a lot different. Now there are a lot of them. They're all, they're combined clusters, right. clouds, whatever they call them. And it's yeah. kind of like, yeah. it's sort of the, we have to do it, check it off. Yeah. And we did yep. it. Uh, let's go home and eat. Oh, we can do that go. too. So yeah. for good or for bad, it, it's just different. It's just different now. So, what'd you preach on yesterday, Brad? I, you, you know, I, I do. I, I preached on being a witness and, and the opportunity to testify from Luke 21. Yeah, I talked about, you know, the, the disciples are all excited about the building and, and of the temple and, and this, that, and the other. And Jesus says, yeah, this ain't going to last. <laughs> and and he says, well, well what, 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 when is this going to happen? He's, you know, he went all into you know, wars and nations and yada, 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 yada. You're going to be hauled up before you know, political leaders and, and royalty and this, that, and the other. And it's not something bad. It's a good opportunity for you to testify to the truth. Mm, so that's yeah. what we have to look forward to. So we always, you know, we ask the, the wiggy up question, where is God in all this? You know, God, why are you bringing us to do this, this place? And this that's situation? awesome. Yeah, it was a good sermon. I, well, I thought it was. I mean, well, I didn't fall asleep as I was giving it. So it must have been good, right? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I, I may have dozed off there somewhere. <laughs> dozed off in my own survey, yeah. I use the same text. Isn't that awesome how, you know, uh, our churches, you know, 
we're all the same body of Christ. We're all, you know, the church of God, but you know, each yeah. local congregation has its, its life that it's living. Uh-huh. And, and I preached the same text, which I'm sure a lot of churches did who you know, obviously yeah. follow uh, revised common lectionary. Mm-hmm. I talked about having the peace of God, like, you know, oh. you know, uh, when Jesus says, you know, when this temple is going to, you know, it's going to be in ruins. Yeah. Uh, that, that was really like a life shattering thing because this, yeah, the temple right. is not just like a nice little church. It's like the place you, you met God, heaven and earth meet at the Absolutely. temple. Mm-hmm. And so what Jesus is saying is like, your world's going to be torn upside down. Um, yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, you're going to have that, those chances, like you said, to testify. And that's going to be part of what happens. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you don't, you know, you're not so enamored with all the stuff that falls away. But the only thing left is the peace of God. Right. And so that's right. Can we trust the yeah. peace of God to, enough to know that all these bad things are coming, like being persecuted, or whatever? Yep. Can we trust God enough to be able to say, I'm not even going to plan what I'm going to say when it happens. I'm just going to trust God gives me the words. The only way you exactly. can do that that's right. is with the peace that's of right. God. So amen to that, man. Yeah. Amen to that. I didn't That'll fall asleep preach. either. Uh, during preach. My, during my, <laughs> I hope it did. I, yeah. <laughs> all right, Brad, let's see. I got a couple stories. I didn't, I didn't know if they tied together or not, but um, okay. this, first, this first story, I don't, I don't know if I believe it or not, but I'm well, you know, I give people the benefit okay. of the doubt, Brad. I don't know about you, but so there was a bulldog bar stabbing just sounds funny in of itself and i don't know i don't see where the bulldog bar is this is somewhere i don't is this know where bulldogs go to drink or what i, mean, I guess when they're done playing poker and they come I mean, off the yeah, when they right? come off the uh you know the the, mm-hmm. the picture i saw a penny one of those the bulldogs you know the, the dogs instead of playing cards they're having bible study i love it i love it i love it <laughs> i want that man i want to find that that's cool yeah. I say a man who accidentally stabbed his friend while showing off a knife in the parking lot of the bulldog bar has been taken into custody. So Brad, it's just their friends. They're hanging out outside and a guy wants to show off his brand new knife and another friend gets stabbed. Are you suspicious? A little bit, a whole lot. Yeah. I mean, a little bit, a whole lot. <laughs> like, you know, in Boy Scouts, they, you have to get a, 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 a Whitland chip, you know, which is this uh-huh. little card permit to, to be able to carry a pocket knife, right? And they talk about that in the training about a blood circle. Okay. That's right. And that's, that's right. That's you have to, anywhere you can reach is within the blood circle. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know what, I think he was inside the other guy's blood circle. So after speaking with witnesses at the scene, yeah. uh, detectives determined that the man had taken out the knife to show a group of people Uh-oh. when the victim, unaware of the weapon, went to give him a hug. <laughs> okay. I Bring mean, it in here, dude. Come on. Hey, hey what's that? <laughs> oh, did you just stab me with a knife or did you really want to hug me? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, it's a bar. Your senses uh, aren't quite all there, maybe. <laughs> maybe you're just coming outside and you see a group of people like, hey, I want to be in on the fun. Let me in. Yeah, right. I mean, dude, I haven't seen you in. Fu- <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Oh, man. 
I hate to laugh. The guy is in a hospital with serious injuries, but yeah. uh, and then the guy with the knife, he got charged with negligent injuring. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, negligent I injuring. I would say, hey, he's neg- nobody told him come hug me. This is a hug free yeah. zone. This is a bar. Can't be evidently hugging. this guy was not a hugger. Yeah, he's not a hugger. <laughs> He'll do anything to get out of a hug, man. So maybe next time at church when we do passing of the peace, I need to tell everybody, make sure you keep your knives away because right. there will be hugging in church. Watch their blood circle. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. So we hope he gets better and we hope everybody works it out. Keep, Yeah, I mean, there's got to be a safer way to show off your new knife. Friends. Yeah. So just mm-hmm. be careful. All right. Speaking of misguided love, maybe? Like, I don't know. Lovely peg. Yes. Are, right. are you a... <laughs> Are you a hunter, Brad? Do you hunt? I am. I, I haven't been in a while, but yeah, I like it. I do. I what do you hunt? Everything, man. I hunt everything. I was a kid. I hunted squirrels and rabbits and, and dove and deer. And that's about all I've done. Uh, I don't okay. get to hunt a whole lot more than that. But uh, okay. yeah, so I, I enjoy it. Usually when you hunt, are you inside or outside? Well, if I'm shooting a weapon, I'm usually outside. <laughs> okay. Uh, Just If I go deer hunting, then I times i'll sit in the blind okay all right so uh it's 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 assumed that if you want to go deer hunting you need to go to like where the deer are outside you need to go into their home right one would think yeah yeah wouldn't it be wouldn't it be strange if a deer came into your home you know when i lived up in canyon lake we had deer that were standing at the back door going like anybody in there hey what you got hello all right so (laughs) <laughs> this happened and the reason why the, we think it happened is hilarious to me anyway a wisconsin couple had quite a scare when an unusual intruder broke into their home and couldn't leave brad he wanted to leave but he couldn't leave can you yeah. guess who the visitor was it was either a turkey or a deer it was a deer a deer yeah <laughs> yeah uh a full-grown oh, buck ran through their front door and into their living room Mm-hmm. Uh, the lady of the house said, I didn't realize it was a deer until it came out of the living room. <laughs> it didn't go through the door where it could have gotten out. Instead, instead of going out the door, which you probably came from, it ran right past me and up the steps. Oh. Going to claim a bedroom. That's what it was going to do. <laughs> I'm going to give you one. I'll give you one guess, Brad. How long do you think the deer stayed upstairs? well not long i I would assume just about long enough to get gutted how about about three hours three hours couldn't leave was scared it trapped itself upstairs was trying to get out uh it it says he was bleeding from its mouth and his leg he was looking through every window and Mm -hmm. the deer tore apart their house while being trapped breaking glass and bleeding over all uh, the family's possessions. It even managed to poke holes in the ceiling with its antlers. Oh my gosh. How do you fill that out on an insurance claim? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's one of those farmers commercials. That's exactly right. We know, we know if a thing or two, because we've seen it. Yeah. That, I mean, that's <laughs> a great commercial. They should probably call that couple up right now and they say, should, right? be on Can our commercial. 
Yeah. If you have a different insurance company, we will outpay them and we will be yeah. your insurance just, just for the that's, commercial. That's yeah. uh, the deer couldn't find a way out and remained trapped upstairs for nearly three hours going from room to room. It wasn't until the sun came home and the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources, they all showed up that they got the deer to calm down. Now, here's the, I mean, that that's all, I mean, funny. It's funny because it's not your stuff. Calm down, man. <laughs> it's like, it's okay. Everything's gonna be all right. Think Rudolph happy, is coming. Think happy thoughts. Happy Find thoughts. your happy place. You know? <laughs> While it's unclear what made the deer break into their room, the DNR, which what is what did I say that was the Department Department of Natural Resources. Of Natural Resources yeah, said the <laughs> said the holiday reindeer outside may have looked like a nice mate. For the book. <laughs> the one that was lighted that does this. <laughs> you need to put these decorations further away from the front door. That's all I'm Absolutely. saying. Absolutely. Don't get them confused. <laughs> hey, deer live here. I wonder if they got a little daughter or a girl or sister, sister or mother or something. Oh my goodness. I can't imagine. I yeah, you want you have yeah. to laugh. You have to laugh. Oh yeah. But yeah. you also have to move the decorations. Um, uh, yes, move them away from the front door. So anyway, all I, right. I've seen the one with the with the turkey that that found its way into the house and sat on the on the couch for five six hours or something. Really, I didn't see that one. Argued with the people. It's like, you know, it's like you need to go. You know, <laughs> make me. I did see a, a deer got into a church one time. Hmm. I've seen them go into you know convenience stores all over the place, you know, when they're trying to get out of the cold. Oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah and the doors just open. Yeah. They open and they come running in and skittering around and you know going into the frozen foods or what. I don't know what else. So there's your holiday warning, folks. Watch out for the deer. Yes. Um, even in Corpus, right? We got deer in Corpus. We do, we do have yeah. deer in Corpus. They like to mm -hmm. surf. Maybe mm -hmm. they're deer here. Yeah. All yeah. right, <clears throat> Brad, you work yes, at a church, right? Most of the time. Well, <laughs> yeah. You said yeah, you know, you've been you've been doing charge conference for all those years. You've been in ministry, pastoral ministry. You've been a part of church councils. You've been a part of finance committees, trustee committees, SPRC, worse on and on and on and on. In all mm -hmm. of your experience, have you ever had the rare opportunity of having the church leadership, church people complain about money? Oh, you know, daily. I mean, uh, no, no, of course not. <laughs> How many times, Brad, have you uh, uh, thought and maybe even entertained the conversation like, what would we do if we just got a whole lot of money? Are we prepared for that? Uh, <laughs> what would you do if you won $2 billion in a lottery draw? You know, oh, like, you saw that last? Was that last week? Yeah, this, that was yeah, last week, right? Last week was what a Friday or Saturday or something like that. Okay, you know? I didn't see the exact Wednesday. Maybe. I don't remember. I didn't see the exact amount, but I saw I beat the last record, right? Yes, it was two billion dollars or something in that neighborhood. Ah, what do you do with that? Well, how's it? What does the church do when it handles? You know, when it receives a windfall for whatever reason? You know, what do you do with that? Um, the first question that most of them are going like, "What pays the highest interest?" You know, uh, how are we going to use it? Well, right. no, not how are we going to use it. How are we going to make money off of it? You know, right? You, yeah, use it for yeah to make more money. Yeah, right. Uh, 
I've never been in that situation. I've had people give gifts, but nothing like kind of like, I mean, I mean you're thankful, yeah. obviously. It's like, yeah, this is we appreciate we we'll make use of this, but nothing that's ever been like that makes everybody stop in their tracks. The the funniest I, tweet I yeah. saw about the 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 lottery, somebody was like, you know, there's always that person who's like, Yeah, but you don't actually get two billion dollars. It's only like, you know, five hundred million, says the person who's eating ramen sitting in their, you know, <laughs> two hundred square foot apartment, you know generic ramen not even just it's, real ramen you know, not even the real ramen yeah <laughs> come on man so right, yeah so, uh, i'm talking about this because uh you know jeff bezos he's got a few billion dollars i guess right so, and yeah. uh and you know dolly parton too mm -hmm. uh dolly parton is the latest recipient of the bezos courage and civility award so in short dolly parton got this award that comes with the amount of, where is it at here? $100, $100 million. Wow. And I thought this was interesting because the first thought that came to my mind when I read that was actually a question like, mm -hmm. how much good mm -hmm. is Dolly Parton going to do with $100 million? Man, there's no telling. I have every belief in the world that she will use every single penny mm -hmm. for good for, for people. Right. Yeah. Yep. And so, and it got me to thinking, like, you know, if somebody were to give a church a hundred million dollars, like, what would we do with it? Would we even know? Would we even be prepared? Would we even take it, Brad? Yeah. Would we okay. want it? You know, maybe. I want to know where it came from. Where it came from? So, uh, if it comes from like mm, shady places, are you willing to I'm, say no? Thank you. You know, the the question is, can the church launder money? You know, we can launder souls. Can we launder money? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, okay. We, you know, we, we provide that that grace through through Jesus, but I don't know. No, I I I don't know how to deal with that. I I've had um, you know we've had I've had churches that have received you know pretty nice sizable inheritances, and and the question is, can we make that money work for the church? And and that's you know when I say what pays the highest interest, I mean that was kind of tongue in cheek, but the reality is is that. If you had significant amounts of money, the interest off of that money, off the principal, could fund ministry or fund, you know, something else in the church so that all of the money coming into the church could actually go to ministry. You know, uh, I had a pastor once talk about, you know, if they just if they received um, they had received one million and if they had two million dollars and, and put that into an endowment, that two million dollars interest would actually pay for every building need for the next hundred years just in the interest alone that it would continue to generate enough money so that the the overhead of the church would actually be covered so that every dollar coming into the plate would then actually be used to go out into ministry and i thought man that's cool that is cool right and you have the two million dollars <laughs> you know it's like uh okay but that was a fairly large church in a fairly wealthy neighborhood and they could sure. do that kind of stuff and not everybody has an opportunity for that right right well and then also i i wonder um you know that's kind of like the, the pie in the sky because uh one of the <laughs> one of the conversations i can hear um because i've had it um in several different churches is you know you got to be careful how you, you know, if you do receive money, be careful, like how it gets used, what it gets used for and how, because if people think the church has enough money, then they stop giving. 
they quit giving. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, 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 and some of this, I think is, you know, I, mean, I think it's, it's all of our faults, right? It's, it's the people who have this mindset, like how in the world could you think that, but it's also leadership, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, if I had a hundred million dollars to give, mm-hmm. would my first thought be, and, and I wanted to use it for, you know, some good to, to benefit, would my first thought be to give it to a church? I don't know. Because of my strong connection to the church, obviously, and what I think it can do, you know, I'd, I'd maybe lean that way. But if yeah. I was just kind of loosely connected, what I think that the church is a place that could make use of the hundred million dollars in a way that takes care of other people. Yeah. Because I, I think, like you said, Brad, like a lot of times our first inclination, well, <laughs> let's take care of the buildings, right? Well, yeah. And, I mean, and for good reason, like you said, we can get it taken sure, care of, then sure. we're okay. Yeah. I mean, and that's just it. You know, <clears throat> what do you do when you have this windfall and you don't know what to do with it? And and the question that that oftentimes gets answered real quickly is, what's the greatest need that we have right now? Mm. And let's fix that. You know, and it's that fix, fix something. That, yeah, it's that fix that mentality that is is I hate to say it, and I dare say it, short sighted when mm. it comes to the longevity of the life church and the ministry possibilities that could exist and so oftentimes a church will will have to stop and sit back and 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 try to rethink you know who are we what are we doing you know what what ministries do we offer what are why do we even exist and why is god trusting us with this money that may have come from a person or a a company or or a a branch or whatever but a retired preacher thanks Brad. retired preacher or something you know you know somebody who you know, sells stuff via, you know, Amazon. But um, I, I think, I think the issue that we struggle with is, is God trusting us this with this for a reason. Mm. And, and instantly my mind goes to the parable of the guys with the talents, you know, um, and are we supposed to bury this, you know, just hold on to it. So we don't spend it. So we don't waste it. So we don't misuse it. Or are we supposed to actually engage in ministry because of this, you know, what, you know, we get five talents, we go out and make five more. We get two talents, we make two more, or do we get to one talent, we bury it. You know, I mean, that's the whole, the gist of what, what church needs to be about is thinking about, okay, God has entrusted us with gifts and graces. And, and it's not just monetary, gifts and grace, all of our gifts and graces. And if we're burying our talents in the ground, you know, are we being faithful stewards of what God is offering? So that's a big question. Um, and I'm not sure that every church that gets that gets around to that quick enough, you know, Mm -hmm. to ask that question instead of what's the biggest need that we've got right now. I mean, I can tell you right now, my biggest need, I need an air conditioner, a 60 ton air conditioner. You know, I mean, that's, that's a, but that's a big hunk of change. You want me to call Jeff Bezos real quick? Yeah. Let's see if he can get a, you know, give us a a, a real quick, you know, note or something. But I, you know, when you, when you start thinking about that kind of stuff and you, you realize all you're doing is fixing what's broken instead of looking at ministry in its potential, you know, maybe there's, there's something a little bit more long-sighted that we should be looking at and yeah. asking the God question about this. Yeah. So you said, you know, you bring up the parable of the talents, which I think is, is excellent, but I'm just thinking about the, the story we, we started off talking about, 
yeah. the temple, yeah. like, oh, wow, look how beautiful the church is. Mm-hmm. And I can hear Jesus saying, yeah, but it's going to be torn down in about 60 years. And yeah, so but, the building, you know, <laughs> yeah, but but it's right. so much our tendency to to put, I mean, large mm-hmm. chunks of change into I, these things that don't let. Now, does that mean we don't need buildings? I mean, not necessarily, but I will say, I mean, the church survived and thrived and grew for thousands of years with mm-hmm. fewer buildings than it has today. So maybe there's something to that. But to your point, it's it's so easy for us to say what needs to, yeah, what needs to be fixed? Because that's our problem right now. Instead of, right. you know, okay, if, if this is a gift, I mean, ministry is about people. How do we, how do we serve? How do we equip, uh, empower people to to live out, you know, the, the calling God gives to all of us in a way that it's faith to them. What would God want us to do with this? And that's that's ultimately what it has to come down to. What would God entrust us? Why would God entrust this money to us to spend anyway? What is God's will for us to use this this gift in in such a way that it would be a holy gift? I, I wouldn't think it's the first thing God would want, but you know, since Sabbath and rest is so important, if you get that big gift, I think you probably need to send your preacher to Hawaii or something to rest. Yeah, know. somewhere. You know, yeah. I'm not a big fan of Hawaii, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, wherever. I mean, wherever. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying it's the first thing you should do, but you know, yeah, really. You know, you somewhere down. hundred million dollars is a lot of money. I mean, you can get right, down there right. somewhere. So, <laughs> I used to keep a or something like that. Yeah, something. I used to keep a yellow notepad and I kind of do kind of don't now, but, and it was, I always wanted to be prepared because sometimes you would have people say, you know, here's a gift. What can I use it for? Or is there anything you need right now? And, and it was this short term. Mm-hmm. If I just get this taken care of, I can just strike it off and be done. Um, yeah. But to your point, um, I, I would write those down because I didn't want to be so short sighted that that can cons- like it, it's a need. It needs to be fixed. You know what? If, right. if the door doesn't lock, we need to fix the door. Or right. if if, you know, something is hazardous, we need to take care of that. Right. Right. I understand. Right. I understand it's going to be <laughs> in mm-hmm. ruins and, in, in, you know, 100 years or something. But still, right. it's it's a gift we need to take care of. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the line. But write it down, get it over with so that then we can have more time to figure out, all right, but the more important thing is how are we serving? You know, uh, we talk about serving the poor. We talk about serving those who are marginalized. Like why is that not our first go-to when, when we, when we have these, um, when we have these conversations? I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that and how we view money. I mean, in all honesty, how we view, just like the disciples, how they viewed the temple. You know, this was the most magnificent building of all. Isn't this great? The whole world knows that this is here. This is like the first of the many wonders of the world. This is the best place to be, Jesus. Don't you just love it? And Jesus going, it's a building. Mm. And the mindset that I think we get stuck in is, is recognizing that money is important, but money is not the most important. Money is a tool by which yeah. God gives, through which God enables us to do kingdom building. And, and if you can look at money in terms of being a tool instead of something that you need to hoard or to amass or to continue to, you know, whatever, 
and and the same is true of a building. The same is true of a, of a you know any kind of thing that we have. What we find ourselves doing is worshiping the thing, and and giving it more value than it really has, when the greatest value is the value that God gives it, and what God expects from us in using it. And I think that's a hard thing for us to hear. Um, I did real estate for a couple of years back years ago and and one of the big things that i learned out of out of all of that stuff was highest and best use that every piece of property every building every every opportunity in real estate whatsoever has a highest and best use not many highest and best uses but a highest and best use and when you think in terms of what this is as a gift to the church a tool and the building is a tool and when the tool wears out, what do you do? You, you, you can either fix the tool or you buy another tool. You, you go get another tool, but you don't worship the tool, you know, mm -hmm. that the tool is used for a higher and better purpose. And that's one of the things that we, we tend to forget in our country, in our culture, uh, not in our country, but in the culture, especially, especially. I used to try to pay attention if I get a chance to visit other churches, <clears throat> you know, Methodist or otherwise. I pay it pay attention to how many paintings and pictures of the church building they had around the facility yeah, that right? always surprised me like some of our churches have a lot of paintings yeah. and pictures of the building we just walked in we know what the building looks like that's we right. don't need that's 12 you forget this yes. is what it looks like <laughs> that's right yeah well, and so maybe that's ours is the clue. same way right now because we're going through the 75th you guys just did your 150th you know uh -huh. we're half your age and we're doing that we're showing the architectural drawings we're doing all that stuff as well, to when buildings were built you know but they tell it, the story of the life of the church tell right? the story history yeah, yeah. but and, and so the point though is when that when that kind of becomes like everything we are no, right. no wonder ministry suffers. And that part of that's a part of what a lot of churches are facing now. Like we can't exactly. keep up with the buildings we built, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. We can't keep up with the systems of, mm -hmm. you know, the way we would have staff and everything right. else and so the way we used to. And so now we're like, oh my gosh, what do we do? So I guess sort of kind of start bringing it home. Um, I've never believed the church has a money problem. Oh, no we've always had a discipleship issue yes because that's, that's the core because you know again you know the church survived thrived lived grew mm -hmm. without churches on every corner excuse me without church buildings Ooh. on every corner right. you know when we were meeting at brad's house for worship and prayer and you know mm -hmm. we were growing and when we were meeting wherever we had to meet you know outside or underground whatever we were we were growing and that was enough and the money we did have was so that we could take care of each other mm -hmm. in times of need and so that we could make sure we had what we need needed to take care of other people yeah. who were in need and i i just i worry i mean look at our church budgets i worry that we've sort of We've take we just totally flipped that upside down. We have, you know, yeah. And you know, one of the I used to think about uh, tabernacles versus temples. You know, there's yeah. a difference between the tabernacle and the temple. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle was the tent, mm -hmm. the tent of meeting where God would meet God's people and people could meet God. The temple, the temple became the place where you went to go see God. God didn't travel with you. God was in a box. And, and there's this thing about 
new churches that that are formed and and i love it it's church in a box it's it's you know that basically they have a little what 10 foot by by 12 foot trailer or whatever it is i don't know how big it is but are you know an eight by 10 trailer and everything in the church that the church needs is in that little trailer that they tow behind a truck or a car or a van or yeah. whatever and they show up in a place they open up the trailer and they pull out the chairs they pull out the hymnals they pull out the musical instruments and they're ready to go and they mm-hmm. worship yeah. but as soon as they build a building you know people kind of get all comfortable and this is their posture from here on out. But as long as they're doing the temple or the the the, uh, the trailer thing, they're they're active and they're seeking more people. And people want to come and see what the excitement and enthusiasm is. But as soon as they build a building, it's like we forget and we stop growing. And mm. you know that's a hard thing for us to get into. And so when I was going through seminary, the biggest the biggest thing that everybody was talking about was the edifice complex. You know, where you want your church to grow, build a building, yeah. add another building, add a wing on, you know, just do any kind of construction and it gets people excited and they want to come find out what's going on. You know, that's that edifice complex. The building is what draws people. What happened to God being the one that draws people, you know, and that I think the church has lost sight of that too. So we struggle with those kinds of things still, but you're exactly right. I mean, we get all excited about the building that we, we begin to worship it. And, and that's what they were doing in, in Luke, you know, that we talked about on Sunday. Could you see yourself turning down $100 million? Um, for, for your church, not you. Or is there a difference? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, you know, it would have to be, I, I would do some serious praying about it. In all honesty, I, I think, and I would not want to be the only one praying. I mean, I would literally mm-hmm. get my church leadership to start praying with me about this that before we receive it, we need, we need a few days, maybe a week, maybe two weeks, so that we can literally pray about it. Why is God trusting us with this? And what are we supposed to faithfully do with it? And I think that, that needs to happen. That conversation truly needs to happen before we would even receive the check. That, I that would be my response. Now, I, I probably know that there's going to be people in the church going like, you idiot. You know, yeah. so, yeah. Well, I, I would want to know a couple of things. I think kind of what you're saying, mm-hmm. I would want a plan first. Right. Of what we're going to do with this. A plan that includes you know, the, every, the every bit of conversation we just had about, you know, prioritizing people and serving mm-hmm. people who are in actual need. Okay, we can take care of things we need to, but that's all secondary. Yeah. I would I would want a plan in place. I would want to make sure that there were no strings attached. Right. Um, right. But it's free and clear. Yeah. Or no expectations that, you know, uh, I don't even want to have to name a building after I, that. That's a pet peeve of mine. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't want any, I don't want anything named after me. Yeah. Um, if there were strings, I think I would probably, especially if they were like just unhealthy strings, you know, yeah. um, I mean, some of them are ropes this big around. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they're not just little thin and things hanging around yeah. the neck of the yeah. congregation, yeah. too. And, and yeah, like that's anchor stuff. chains, you know, those yeah. monsters. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yeah. but, and I appreciate your first instinct to pray about because I, yeah, I mean, because because that's the other thing. I think people say, well, if we just had more money, things would change. Well, in, in a way, you're actually right. I mean, but just because you time. get that money doesn't mean it's going to change for the good. That's right. 
That's I mean, right. and go back to what we said earlier. If your church gets a hundred million dollars, then the rest of your people are like, well, I don't need to give anymore. Oh no. Yeah, then you have just become less yeah. generous people. And that is right. one of the most horrible things that can happen to a church. Well, so, and yeah. And I think along, along with those very same lines is you, you deposit that kind of money into an account. And the first thing they're worrying about is how much interest is it paying? Are we making enough interest on it? Are we being good stewards of that money? And yeah. suddenly that money becomes the God. Yeah, that's right. Boy, yeah, that's right. That's not good. Now, all that said, mm-hmm. if you got a hundred million, yep. I mean, you can offer it to Brad and myself and we'll prayerfully figure out if there's anything we can do to help you distribute it. I don't want to be greedy. I'd take 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 10 million. A, a cool five, a cool yeah, five right now, I guess I, we could work with, you know, I mean, you know, uh, but whatever. We, All right. about we really would. <laughs> and what I hope to leave you with as well is most of our churches are not going to be in a position to receive any kind of like high, high dollar gift where, I mean, everything changes overnight. We're going to have to figure out what faithful ministry is with the budgets we have now, or even maybe with shrinking budgets in the years to come. Right. And if we don't have that priority set straight, Mm -hmm. um, I think we're, we're opening ourselves up for some really harsh times and so i I want us to kind of think about you know how do we change that priority and how do we you know have ministry when we don't have all the you know money we think we might need and and the money is not the big thing you know the early church didn't have money jesus never had money i mean he had judas carry the common purse but you know what expenses did they really have you know of course taco tuesday Hey man, you know, right. I mean, you know, they, 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 they lived on a budget, you know, but I think, I think the, the concern we have is we have to be very careful about misplacing priorities and, and, you know, that's that very first commandment. Yeah, there it is. All right. So we've given you a lot this morning. Be careful. If you're going to go hug your friend, he might be showing you a new knife. Um, Be careful where you put your holiday decorations outside. You might be inviting unwelcome animals into your house. Mm-hmm. And be careful with money and church. Uh, there are greater concerns and priorities to have. All right. And your own money too. That's right. Be That's right. Yeah. Be careful with your own money. That's right. It, it is a it is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. All right, Brad. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for the gift of your time. Uh, let yeah. us know what you think. And uh, next week we'll get together again, and we will talk about something that we have planned for for weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah, right. And uh, we'll have a we'll have a good time when we do it. So, Brad, have a good rest of the week. Thank you for tuning in, listening, watching. Have a great rest of the week yourself. God be with you. Bye bye, y'all.